The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 108 Fire Flowers 1886, April 30th, The Railroad Camp I waited in the room they had given me. The door was locked, but the lock, as usual, only kept me in. It did not protect me from the man who had the key. I sat on the bed worried. The ceremony had been short, thankfully. But what had worried me was that it was my ceremony, Penelope's ceremony. She had taught it to me years ago. It was a binding, but not the one I think Agamemnon thought. It was a wedding ceremony, but wedding has many different meanings. Originally, the word was used to describe two ropes. If you took a woven rope, unraveled one end of it, and then wove it back together with the end of a different rope, you would have made one long rope out of two shorter ones. When you did this, it was said the two ropes were married. That is where the word came from. Later, the word began to refer to two people who linked their lives together, inevitably and permanently, but not necessarily lovingly. The words used in my ceremony were, I am yours, as you are mine. But I am your what? I am your lover, I am your soulmate, I am your wife, or I am your enemy, I am your opponent, I am your death. Whatever we were to each other, Agamemnon and I were now bound together. One of us was not going to survive. I felt beneath my dress to the hidden place in my bloomers, where Penelope's knife still sat. I opened my green suitcase, and from the corner, tucked carefully under the dime novels, I removed Paris's gun. The tiny, four-shot revolver. I slipped it into the drawer of the nightstand, and then put the green case back under the bed. I didn't know what would happen next, but if Agamemnon came for me tonight, I would not submit. I would not, at least not willingly. I heard the key slip into the lock. It turned, and the door opened. Agamemnon stepped in, closing the door behind him and locking it again. I read in a book once there was a custom called knocking. It described this polite request to enter a lady's bedroom. Apparently, most people ask for permission to enter by tapping their fist against the door. Strange, really. I don't think it's a phenomenon I've ever experienced. That's not your door. It's mine. This is not your room. It's also mine. I'm not in the habit of knocking before I enter my own room. But husband, all that is yours is now mine. No wife. All that is yours is now mine. All that is mine, it's still mine. Shouldn't you be undressed? I can't imagine why. It's our wedding night, and you have duties to perform. Agamemnon said as he began to take off his coat. He draped it over a chair. And you have promises to keep. We made a deal. Where's my bodyguard? She didn't take the job. It can't be helped. Then our deal is broken, and I have no obligation to you. The contract is signed. The agreement is made. The wedding is over. Now it's time to fulfill your end of this bargain. There is no mention of keeping a bodyguard on staff for you in the contract. We had an agreement between each other. 
Do not pretend it's not binding. If you think you can go back on your deal with me simply because it's not written down, then you have broken faith. You're a liar. My father agreed to this marriage for his reasons. You agreed to it for yours. But I only had one demand. My agreement came with only one stipulation, and it has been broken. Until it is fulfilled, then you do not have my compliance. Get out. Find Anna and bring her to me. I will be no wife to you until I have spoken with her. Anna Bell Lee, the Whiskey Girl, former Denver City boxing champion, founding member of the Denver City Amazons. But that's not what you call her. That's not who you think she is. What is it you call her? Oh, yes. Paris. Agamemnon said the name with disdain. I took a step back. He knew. No, I have not called her Paris in over a month. Do you know what I call her? Do you want to really understand what we are to each other? I call her wife. I married her before I married you. I smiled at him, feeling wicked. Wife? Don't be ridiculous. Women can't be married. What can two women be to each other? Marriage is only between a man and a woman. Women cannot do to each other what men can do. What would you know of it? What would you know of a girl who smells like roses and gunpowder? What would you know about how her skin feels beneath my fingers? How her breath catches when I touch her? How her lips taste as they press against mine? What would you know about how her tongue slides into me? It's so warm, it lights my body on fire. How would you know about what it feels like to be taken? Her fingers claiming me. She and I are bound together, as you and I are. Except she and I have consummated that binding many, many, many times. I told him as I stepped forward, chin up, chest out, proud. I knew what would happen. I knew his reaction, but it didn't make it hurt less. His arm swung around, and the back of his hand slapped me across the face. I fell to the ground. I slipped my hand under my dress and pulled from it Penelope's knife. I held it backwards so it could not be seen. Your gunslinger is gone. She abandoned you. She took her money and went home. You will never see her again. And if she ever sets foot anywhere near this camp or anywhere near my home, she will be shot on sight as a trespasser. I reached up and touched my lip. Where he had slapped me, my teeth cut the inside and I was bleeding. I looked at my finger, a drop of blood on it. She's going to kill you. Don't you understand? Nothing will stop her. She is the daughter of the Reaper, and one day she will come and take your soul. He pulled his foot back and kicked me. I screamed in pain. The Reaper is dead! He couldn't touch me. He fell before my men, and so will she. Do you think I'm afraid of the boogeyman? I'm not a child to be threatened. I tried to stand up, but I slipped and fell back down. I sat on the ground looking up at him. You have no idea what you've begun. You have no idea what you've bought when you married me. You don't think I know, Helen of Troy. You don't think I know who I hired twenty years ago when I hired Penelope, the Queen of Ithaca, 
I knew who she was, and I knew one day she would bring me Odysseus. You think this is your story? And you think you're the only one who sees the truth? <laughs> no, this is my story. I am Agamemnon, and I am the champion of the God of War, and you don't think we haven't spoken? You don't think the God of War has not come to me? I told Penelope twenty years ago that everything she did and everything she would ever do would be in my service, and now I have her husband in my employ, the man she tried to keep from me. I have her daughter as my wife. She spent the last nine years raising you, and every effort and every struggle she went through, it was all for me. It was to bring me both the gun and the trigger. Odysseus will plan my war, and you will start it. Priestess of Ares. I am not! I yelled at him. I am not the priestess of Ares. Aren't you? Helen of Troy? The face that launched a thousand ships. You are a tool with only one purpose. War. It follows you wherever you go. You create it out of nothing. You've been planning it for years. You are war incarnate, and I have been waiting for you for such a very long time. He reached down, grabbing the front of my corset, and pulled me to my feet. Breathing hard, he moved in to kiss me. My hand, with the knife, slipped forward, trying to stab him, but he halted his kiss and grabbed my wrist instead. He twisted the knife out of my hand and threw it down to the floorboards where it stuck. I pushed him away and ran to the end of the table. I pulled the drawer open, grabbed the gun, cocked the hammer, and spun it around towards him. But he was there, too close, and he took my hand... Again, pulling the gun from me, tossed it aside, and it slid across the room into the corner. Dear wife, you think it would be that easy. You think you're going to kill me in my sleep? I'm safe from you. You are my toy to play with. And yes, I know the stories. I've read the doctor's report. I know. He thinks that you'll kill any man who takes you as a wife. I'm not afraid. Because I'm not just any man. I am your king. I am Agamemnon, and you are now mine forever. You're a fool, I whispered. But you're right. I will not kill you. That is not your fate. Agamemnon does not die at the hands of his wife. He dies at the hands of her lover. You know she carries the reaper's gun? He taught her everything he knew. He was hunting you, and he came so close, but he did not forget about you. He left his skill and his gun to the girl he knew would finish the job. She is his daughter. She is my lover. She is my wife. And now she is hunting you. You shouldn't have let her go. I gave you a chance. I was going to let you live, but you broke your promise, and now your death is inevitable. Gah! Agamemnon screamed as he picked me up by the corset and threw me across the room. I hit the far wall hard, and before I could fall to the ground, the world went dark. Odysseus stopped Agamemnon in the hall as he left my room headed for his office. What kind of monster are you? You think I brought her all the way so you could use her as a punching bag? This deal is off. I'm taking her home. Odysseus insisted. That wasn't any of your business. Agamemnon yelled. Agamemnon pushed Odysseus up against the wall with his hand and held him there. She's not going anywhere. 
You can't treat people this way. I treat people how they demand to be treated. If you have a wild horse, you break it with the whip. If you have a wild wife, you break her with the back of your hand. She is mine now, and I will treat her as she demands to be treated. She will learn respect, and so will you. I don't work for you. You do now. You work for me. And if you refuse and try to leave, I will beat her. I will beat her every night until she takes her own life. Now go back to your room. Agamemnon let go of Odysseus. He left him staggering to regain his balance, as he left his office and walked out of the tower. Odysseus went to my room and tried to open it, but it was locked. Helen, are you okay? He called out from the other side of the door, but I couldn't answer him. I was still lost in darkness. Helen, please answer me. This is important. Helen, I'm so sorry. I'll find a way to get us out of this. I'll find a way to get you home, I promise. Just hold on. Odysseus left the tower to find a telegraph. I don't like waiting, Paris said. We're not going to go charging in there. There's too many of them, and it's going to get someone hurt. It's best we wait till after midnight, Hector replied. But what if she's already gone? What if they've already moved her out? The train is still there. If they try and move her, Colin will stop the train at the station and pull her off. He's going to pretend to arrest her. Then Alice will sneak her off to Henry's. It's all planned out. But the train is still there, which means she's still in the camp. We just need to wait. Why don't we go now? Luke would go now. No, he wouldn't. He killed 30 people at the fort. This is just a few railroad workers. Yeah. You know how he did that? By being smart about it. He waited until it was raining so bad you could barely see two feet in front of your face. He disguised himself as a Union officer and used a knife for most of them. He didn't go charging in, guns blazing, and neither are we. Now, get into position. When everyone's ready, Simon will send up a flare. That's your signal to sneak in. The rest of us are going to give you the distraction you need, so be ready. I'm ready now, Paris insisted. Wait for the signal, Hector instructed. Fine, fine, I'll wait. Paris rode Pony around to the dark side of the railroad camp, staying on the outskirts where she couldn't be seen. I woke up, laying on the floor. I turned over and took a moment. I hurt all over. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do this anymore. I had to get out. I had to get that contract. I would not leave my signature on that hateful document any longer. It would be an empty gesture. My vow was already made before the gods. But a signature was legal proof, and I no longer wanted it to tie me to that monster. I took my green case from under the bed. I went to the door. Pulling on the ribbon at my wrist, I popped Penelope's key into my hand, turned it into the lock, slowly, so it would make very little sound, and then, as quietly as I could, I turned the knob and opened the door. I cautiously walked out of my room, trying to stay as quiet as possible, but as I did, I realized the tower was abandoned. No one was in it. Odysseus's room was empty. No one was in the office. I went to the safe. I knew the contract was inside. All I needed was the combination. I closed my eyes and prayed, Goddess, help me. 
three numbers. I only needed three numbers. And then I remembered the number of the train, the number of the brothers, the number of the day. My hand grabbed the dial and spun. 42. The number of the train. The train that took me from New York to Chicago. 12. The number of the brothers. The number of brothers Paris had. And 30. The number of the day. It was April 30th. 42. 12. 30. I spun the dial back and forth until all three numbers were entered. I pulled the handle, and it stayed latched. Nothing happened. I tried again. 42, 12, 30. I pulled the handle, and still nothing. Damn it! I thought this had to work. It had to. Okay, one more time. 42, 12, 30. I desperately pulled on the handle as hard as I could, but nothing happened. The clock in the corner of the room began to chime. I looked up to see the hour had just changed. It was midnight. I wondered how long I had been unconscious. Midnight. I went back to the dial. 42, 12, 1. It was no longer April 30th. It was May 1st. I closed my eyes said a prayer, and pulled the handle. The latch clicked, and the door opened. I found the contract. I held it against my chest before I opened my green case and set it aside. Then the world exploded. I could see through the windows of the tower, the most beautiful lights and explosions flying all around me, brilliant sparkles of reds, blues, and whites, fireworks, Rockets and mortars were being launched from what seemed like everywhere. From the vantage point of the tower, I could see them explode in front of me. I was both scared and elated. What was going on? I ran to the window, and I could see that below me, the railroad camp was in chaos. Men were running everywhere, putting out tents that had caught on fire, running from spinning lights that sprayed sparks in their wake. They seemed to fly after them. Rockets streaked across the camp only to explode in the air. I laughed as two men ran into each other, trying to escape from the rockets. The door to the tower opened, and I turned to see her. She was here. Paris! You've come for me! I ran to her, throwing my arms around her. As she slipped hers around me, I set my head on her shoulders. Are you here to rescue me? Of course, my love. She tilted my head up and kissed me, soft and sweet. I missed her kisses. She pressed me closer, like she wanted to pull me in forever. Then she stepped back a moment to look at me. There was a cut on my lip and a bruise on the side of my face. Did he do this to you? Yes. Then I will kill him now, she said, her eyes narrowing as she looked back at the door, her hand instinctively reaching for her holster, but I grabbed it and pulled it to my lips and kissed her fingers. There'll be time for that. I will not stop you. But for now, take me home. Get me out of here. Steal me from this nightmare, please. Of course, my love. That is who I am. That is what I will do. You decided to be Paris. There was no decision to make. I have always been Paris. She kissed me again, deeply, claiming my lips one more time. Paris picked up the green case from the floor, and then... Grabbing my hand, we went for the door and left the tower. 
She pulled me along as we ran from the tower. I kept looking back, amazed at the displays of color streaking across the sky, exploding in sparks and beautiful blossoms made of fire. Come on, come on, don't fall behind. She encouraged me, still holding onto my hand. They're so beautiful. Where are they coming from? My brothers have surrounded the camp. They're launching them for us, as a distraction. We gotta get going before they run out. Paris explained. Where did you get them? <laughs> I made them for the 4th of July, but we're using them all tonight. You made them? Yes. I'll make you more, I promise, but we have to keep going. Men were running in circles. No one was quite sure what to do. Paris and I reached Pony. She tethered the green case to the saddle, and then, hopping up, she held her hand out for me. I took it, and she pulled me up in front of her. I wrapped my arms around her as we began to ride away. She stopped only for a moment when she came near the train. She took from her pocket half a stick of dynamite. It was the dynamite the pirates had thrown at us. She pulled a lighter from her pocket, lit the fuse, and tossed the stick into the coal cart. Then she patted Pony on the side of her neck and said, Run, girl, run. The horse broke into a gallop, and I held on tighter as we got as far away as we could from the train. When the dynamite exploded, it took most of the coal cart with it, lighting the coal on fire. Paris didn't look back. She held on to me and rode into the darkness. Where is she? Agamemnon screamed. I don't know. Not for certain, Odysseus replied. This is your doing. You think this sets you free? You think this sets her free? You're wrong. You made a deal with me, little man, and so has she. Why does everybody think they can steal from me? Why does everybody think they can go back on their word and I will do nothing? You let her out. Where did she go? I didn't let her out. She's smarter and more skilled than you would suspect. My wife trained her well, and there is one thing I've learned above all others. Never underestimate either of them. Your wife had nothing to do with this. This had to be you. Believe what you want. I'm going home. It's done. Nothing is done. You're going to help me get her back. I will do no such thing. Then I will kill her. I'll kill you. I'll kill Lucy. I will send men to hunt her down and kill everyone you care about. What's the point? You kill her. You kill me. You kill Lucy. It's like you have no other tune. Why not just leave her alone? She was never going to be yours and you know it. You don't want a wife. You don't need one. She's setting you up. Since I have known that girl, I tried to talk her out of this. I tried to trick her out of it. But she wants her war, and she has prepared all her life to make sure it comes true. You go after her now, and maybe you kill her. But probably she kills you. You're not going to get what you want. There's only death down this road, and I don't want to see it. I was never able to get her to see the logic of letting this go. But what about you? Are you sane enough to understand? Nobody wins this. Why don't we find you a different Helen? Someone willing to be bought and caged. There's plenty of women out there who will do it for the money and the luxury of living in your home. There's plenty of women out there if you want a wife who will pretend to be Helen. Let her go. I'll make sure they stay in hiding. No one will ever need to know what happened here. There is no other Helen. And nobody steals from me. Nobody breaks a deal with me. Then you're as crazy as she is. And I hope she wins. I like her better. 
I'm going home. Kill me if you want to kill me. Try and kill Lucy if you'd like. I wouldn't recommend it. As I wouldn't recommend you try to kill Helen. But that's your prerogative. They can take care of themselves. Trust me. I'll let her live. Agamemnon said. Odysseus turned towards him. What? Help me get her back. And I will give her to you. Work for me. And I'll let you take her home. It's not her I need. It's you. It was your plans and your mind I was always on the hunt for. If you help me get her back, I will let you take her to the vineyard in France. As long as you keep her there, I will let her and you and your wife live in peace. And Anna, she dies. But I will let Helen live, and I will leave her alone as long as she stays in France. Anna is dangerous. Saying you're going to kill her is easy to do. Killing her? That's going to be something else entirely. If you really want my advice, if I was truly working for you, and you asked me, what do I do in this situation? My advice would still be the same. Walk away from it. The risk isn't worth the reward. This is a bad bet. I can't walk away. But if you help me get her back, I will let her go. All right. We're going to need men. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.